Eric Sedano is the bicycle nomad. He's an individual who is, uh, well, first of all, he's a good-looking fellow, and he's got like these salt and pepper dreadlocks that kind of go to the middle of his back, and he rides, and he rides long distances. He had this ride last year. It happened on June 14th, 2022. It was commemorating, commemorating, is it commemorating? Commemorating. Too many. Maybe I had one too many cups of coffee this morning. Nah, that couldn't be it. He's accustomed to long-distance cycling, right? A couple different times he's rode from New Orleans to Niagara Falls, tracing the route of the Underground Railroad, and being an individual of African-American descent, it holds a special place in his heart. But the ride that he started last year was commemorating an event that happened in 1897, when a group of 20 U.S. Army infantrymen cycled 1,900 miles, okay, 1897, okay? I can't even think about this. I can think about, they did about 20, 50 miles a day, 40 days, and they went from Fort Missoula, Montana to St. Louis, Missouri. They were the 25th Infantry Bicycle Corps, which was a subset of the 25th Infantry Regiment, a group of individuals known as the Buffalo Soldiers on account of the complexion of their skin and their ethnicity. They did 50 miles a day in mud and sand, and people are like, okay, well, that's 50. I'm, I, even I would say 50 miles like, not a big number. But on an 1897 special Spalding, single-speed fixed gear, yeah, I don't even have a way to put that into context, right? The only thing that I can understand is that bikes are expensive. That one in 1897 cost $75. Think just like 75 bucks, not a lot. Pocket change for many of you. Tip money for others. But in 1897, that's like a lot of cash, right? He starts his expedition 5.30 a.m., June 14th, 2022, sets out 40. When they did it originally, they had, it was just like intense, Right? He would, especially when he got into Nebraska, really, really hot, 104, 106 degrees almost every day. He would stop at various spots, okay? And he'd be like, can I go eat my lunch in your beer cooler? <laughs> but the original Buffalo soldiers had no such luxuries, right? They, they were like superheroes. They were like superpowered in the article by Nina Burley. And it goes to the point that even though we may not be cyclists, although some of us might be, we're all riding somewhere, right? We're all on a journey. And it's where we find Jesus today. My sense as we examine this story is that Jesus was well acquainted with the Old Testament, understatement of the year, specifically Zechariah 9.9. Mark doesn't spill a lot of ink, to make the connection. He figures rightly that we will understand, we will get it. We'll know about Zechariah 9.9. Mark, among the evangelists, among the gospel writers, is like, whoop, just the facts, ma'am. And today we have one more piece of the puzzle, one step closer to the completion of a 30-plus year sojourn for Jesus. I think you could argue one more step on this immigrant's pathway. Not sure we've ever had Jesus on an animal, with maybe the exception of traveling to Egypt as a little guy. 
Did Jesus make the arrangements ahead of time? Or did he simply see the cult and grant Jedi-like mind powers to his disciples so that when they see the cult, they just say, the Lord has need of it and will return it immediately. They go pick up the cult. What are you doing? The Lord has need of it. We'll return it immediately. Okay, take the cult then. Oh, I don't have a saddle. No problem. No saddle, no problem. We can make do. Then there's this familiar word, right? Hosanna. Lord save. Literally, God save. God save now. It's an exclamation point. And this phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, quoting Psalm 118, verse 26. Again, it's not subtle what Jesus is doing here. It's not subtle what is happening here. God save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These weren't just requests, okay? But they were the the sort of feel-good phrase that would pop out of one's head and mouth. Uh, An expression, something close to joy or delight, coupled with with hope and a future. It's just what you would say. And loaded with meaning. It's like Skyuma, okay? It's like Skyuma. Even though it's spelled Skiuma. Have you ever wondered about that? No indictment on the educational system of the state of Minnesota. Skyuma, right? It's something you say. It's this exuberance, right? It's a combo platter of Princeton University and Dakota Indian influence. You can check it out. It's on the University of Minnesota website. It's that. It's Hosanna. It's God save. It's an exclamation of joy. It's profound delight. It's looking forward to something. It's hope. It's delight. It's joy. It's future. And Jesus, rightfully, is is placing himself in that narrative. I am the man. I am the fulfillment of all of these threads and hopes and dreams, just not in the way that you think. Verse 10, I'll talk about a coming kingdom. And this coming kingdom is a kingdom characterized by peace. Again, you have to go back to Zechariah 9, one verse later, in 10. And there it describes this kingdom in which the usual tools of war don't work. The coming kingdom, the tools for conquest, the weapons for victory will not be conventional or even nuclear but peace. Now, I'd be the first to say, I don't fully understand this. We so conventionally believe that to be properly armed is to bear arms. But the poetry of Zechariah, this coming kingdom, is something that is not dependent on arms or even bear arms. Do bears have arms? Or do they have legs? That one's from Diane Morgan. I just, she just makes me laugh. Don't watch her unless you want to be offended a little bit. <laughs> At any rate, it's not about bare arms. It's peace. And I know there's all sorts of questions like, well, wait a second. If it's peace, then how do I defend myself? I, 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 like I said, I can't answer everything in the short time that we have. And it forces us to live with some tension, right? Because we live in a world in which power and strength means force and getting as big as we can. But the kingdom of God measures power and strength in commodities of love and peace 
and giving oneself. Even riding into certain sacrifice, an act of love, motivated because Jesus defined love. And Mark, artfully, yet with restraint, an economy of words, paints a picture, identifying Jesus in terms of Old Testament prophecy and significance. Listen. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent to his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied, and on which one no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them, The Lord has need of it. And they're like, Okay, sounds good. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. From here, we skip forward to chapter 14. It's worth noting that Mark spends over one-third of his 16 chapters on this last week of Jesus' life. Additionally, if you're looking for something to read this week, check out the rest of chapter 11. Check out the rest of chapter 11, 12, and 13. But 14, the coming night. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. It's not subtle. The plot seems to be moving to conclusion. These are willing players engaging in a game they do not fully understand. And it's imperative to know, this is not something that is happening outside the plan of God or even the personal agency of Jesus. But it is something that will happen to Jesus. Jesus knew what he was riding towards. And a final act of kindness... And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, probably we would identify it as Simon formerly the leper. As he was reclining at table, a woman came out with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard. Very costly, very expensive. Like like you would work for a whole year just to afford this one small flask. And she broke the flask. I mean, it's not like like a dainty little... It's like, just broke it, and it just 
all over everywhere, specifically Jesus. And there were some who were like, what? You wasted this? Verse 4. We could have sold this for, for thousands of dollars and given the money to the poor. And they mansplained her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Back off. She has done a beautiful thing to me. You always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, which isn't something we should just read over quickly, right? But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She anointed my body beforehand for burial. It's a final act of kindness, a penultimate foreshadowing, anointing with oil for burial before death. And just please, if we're going to understand being followers of Jesus Christ, Understand this mindset. This king, this Messiah, was so different than what the first century was expecting. So different than what we expect today. Any other king up to this point, even today, any ruler, yeah, you're you're defeated in death. But this king, this king is victorious in death. And if we don't allow the life and death of Jesus Christ to profoundly affect how we do life, We're missing the point of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And I get it. I I don't know all that it means. But I do know I want to experience more of it. To not have to be worried. To be able to live with peace to embrace all that is in store as I journey through life. Why wouldn't we want more of that? In a few moments, Amanda is going to take the stage and provide thought and leadership, directing us to the authority of Jesus and this book in our lives. And please understand... No one who stands on this stage has authority over you or any other human being. But what we do on this stage is remind whoever is willing to listen of the authority this book and the life of Jesus has on our lives. I don't own you. I don't control you. I don't have authority over you. But this book does.
the life of Christ does. And to that, we're drawn with an attitude that is unique. There'll be a time of examine, a period of silence. There'll be a corporate prayer asking for forgiveness. The words will be on the screen. Again, Amanda will lead you. They're anchored, okay, in the reality that Jesus says we should love the Lord our God with our heart and love our neighbor as ourself. After that, Amanda will continue to act as Jesus commanded in John 20, 23 and tell you about the forgiveness of sins. And then we can participate in the Lord's Supper. Mechanically, we'll move forward in aisles two and four and we'll use aisles one, three, and five to get back to our chairs. There will be six stations today. You can walk forward. You can either choose to be served or self-serve. If you're unable to walk forward, simply raise your hand. We will come to you and serve you. As you walk forward, if you want to be served, hold your hands like this. And we will put the juice and the bread in your hand. You can feel the weight. I like it this way. I imagine Jesus taking and giving and putting it. But if you wish to pick up your own bread, that's wonderful. You'll still feel the weight, right? You'll touch the bread, the juice. The experience is designed to be tactile, reflective. And quite frankly, I don't care which way you receive it. I care that your heart is right. There will be a period of silence and then the band will build and the vocals will enter and we will end with the song, Graves into Gardens, a strong statement of our intent, our commitment, our dependence on the Savior in whose table we have just participated. Please pray with me. Father, we come. We acknowledge the ride, the journey of your Son and we welcome him into our lives, our existence. We also acknowledge our personal journey, our personal ride. Allow us to be wise enough to follow the pathway of your son. Father, thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we anticipate uh, communion,